sustainability. Normally, this is a word I explore on this show with regard to a product or a process, but today we're going to learn a little bit about something called sustainable media, and I'm learning more about it from an agency that's poised to sit at its forefront. So let's get into that on this Authentic Avenue. Para, a Dentsu company whose work is inspired by human understanding. Today I'm on with Robert Schwartz, their global CMO, as well as Chris Dorfler, who is a media slash data ethicist and applied futurist. So the first thing I do on the show is figure out what that is, but then we also, of course, talk about their journeys to Kara and this topic of sustainable media. What is it? Why is it so great? Why isn't everybody already doing it? And how is Kara there to help? That plus advice on the two of them as to how to find your own avenues to authenticity, and you don't need to be a Kara customer to hear that advice from them. And I'll have some resources also laid out at the end of this episode, as well as in the show notes, so that you can get started on your own journey. I thought this was interesting because, again, I normally talk about this from a product perspective, from an individual brand, so to learn about it in the lens of media and via an agency was particularly interesting. But I'll let them prove that for me now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as I get real with Kara through Chris Dorfler and Robert Schwartz. Robert, Chris, how are you both doing? Doing well. Uh, fantastic, Adam. Yeah. I, I knew we were going to talk over each other, Chris. We did we practice. <laughs> that's, that's the way podcasts yeah. work. In fact, we're keeping this all, and that's how, that's how it rolls. <laughs> I hope we continue to talk over with each other uh, through this entire episode, because there's going to be some parts where you're going to educate me, uh, and there's going to be some parts where I just ask some questions because uh, something's coming up new that I've never heard of before. So I anticipate plenty of interruptions uh, here as, as we learn all about Kara uh, and your journeys and, and this idea of sustainable media, which is not exactly a term that I've heard before, at least not those two words in direct conjunction, but I will ask about that in a second. Um, cool. Robert, as the uh, global CMO, I'm curious what uh, drove you to join Kara uh, just about, uh, well, I guess about two and a half years ago now. Uh, basically, the, the why then and the why now. I'd love to know both, and then Chris will move to you. Yeah, it, it's a, a great question. Again, thanks so much for having me. Um You know, as I look back two and a half years ago, the initial sort of drive to come here was that we had a a really relevant, interesting brand that had sort of lost or forgotten its memory about what it stood for a little bit, Um, and certainly the way that it communicated that. And so, um, you know, we're the first media agency uh, ever founded in the late 60s, Um, and we were an organization dedicated to the proposition of human understanding. And that was really interesting to me, especially as we entered such a complicated time um, as it relates to media uh, and the explosion of opportunities and, frankly, risks. Uh, And so that idea of bringing a bit of the art to combine with so much of the science that has dominated our industry over the past seven or eight years, that was the reason why I came. And the reason why I'm still, you know, thrilled to be here is that we have gone on a brand journey to reestablish some of the fundamental principles of that um, and have built a new way of working and sort of plugging ourselves into that initial uh, beating heart of who we are and human understanding and build a new, uh, a new approach called Design for People. Um, and that is a human-centered design thinking focused approach to thinking about how to build media experiences. And so for me, uh, from day one till day right now, because I couldn't possibly calculate how many days that's been, um, uh, that's been sort of the initial draw and the, and the kind of attraction uh, to this moment. Now, Chris, I'm looking at your LinkedIn and it says you're a media 
and data ethicist and applied futurist. I've never heard those before. Can you explain what that is a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and thanks for asking that question because it's also a little bit of a, a work in progress title, if you will. But it's really about the fact that we in media, and I actually love what Robert just said because that was kind of what drew me to Kara is the, the opportunity of where Kara stands in terms of reaching people and creating a really uh, bringing out the human side of advertising. Uh, I really consider advertising to be the art of understanding the human mind. So there's really a lot of possibility there. Uh, but with that comes a lot of responsibility too, right? Uh, I mean, we've all seen some of these documentaries that have come out to some of the scandals, Cambridge Analytica, um, which have created obstacles, but also great opportunities to connect deeper with people. Uh, and I think the real thing uh, about being a media ethicist is about is reaching people in a way that is true to who they are. Uh, and, and respects them and empowers them. Uh, and, that, and that's really just a goal I have for uh, what, you know, where I see it in my life. Um, so that's kind of where the media ethicist side comes into is adding a conscious aspect into advertising. And then the applied futurist is about how really advertising and media as a whole stands as a doorway to a lot of the adoptions of technology. Uh, and so as we uh, make our decisions in media and, and think about, we, we should be thinking about that future and how it impacts people. And so the applied futurist is to say that uh, we have a role and I have a role in trying to drive that ethical future uh, as we as we evolve as an industry. The ideas of being ethical, being sustainable, which we'll talk about in a second, seem to me to be clear offshoots of uh, the grand A word that I explore here, which is authenticity. But if I could ask a somewhat ignorant question to begin, um, before we get into the sustainability conversation, you mentioned that you know being this ethicist means that doing marketing, which is just uh, true to people, I can you I'd like to elaborate on that a little bit more, perhaps by identification of areas or instances in which you did not see that, because over the last year that has probably been a focus of a whole lot of people, but. The very fact that, you know, ethicist is part of your title implies the existence of a largely non-ethical way of marketing. Am I, am I sniffing something out there? So uh, what I would say is yes and no. Um, one, it's, it's the, the not presence of something means the inverse must, must exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what I would say is, is it does exist somewhere, right? It's not that the entire ecosystem is flawed in that way. It's that uh, it's more about bringing out that idea to the forefront of what I'm trying to do, uh, less so trying to say that this is not happening. Because one of the things that really drew me to Kara and why I am uh, working media really is because the people uh, who are behind these decisions are just wonderful people. And they really have a, a goal of uh, impacting the world positively. And so really what the the title is more about is bringing out that that aspect of, of my colleagues and the people I work with and to say, hey, this is something you all care about. So let's dive into it. Uh, let's let's explore some of these ideas. And I'm here to help you do that. Uh, and when you have some questions, I'm here to you know be there and, and answer some of those questions, which I think is a role that is vitally important so that people don't necessarily feel like they're a lone ship. Um, they feel more part of a, an ecosystem that supports them. Uh, and has, uh, you know, there's a supporting role there. Uh, so I don't, just to answer that as I just go back a little bit, I would say 
that there are definitely some flaws in the ways that we go about some things, but that doesn't mean those are problems. Uh, I more treat them as opportunities because the aspect of uh, you know having these real interactions with people, what I mean by that is people care about that, really deeply care about their personal privacy, right? And really deeply care about the environment and diversity and inclusion. Uh, and so if we are diving deeper into those topics, then we will be reaching people at a very deep level of who they are and what drives them. And overall, that would be very beneficial to our brands, ourselves, uh, and a society as a whole and the whole internet. So that's kind of the idea there. I see. It's a very big idea. Listening to Chris always makes me feel better about the world, um, which is good. <laughs> I I come at things from you know uh, from from a from a slightly um, less you know half full angle uh, as an industry, and by industry I mean uh, advertisers, the agencies, uh, media companies, digital platforms. Uh, look, we have massive challenges, and um, you know I think. Um, it, Chris is right that, you know, we see day in and day out the best of folks trying to work within those challenges. Um, but the reality is, you know, I look at it from a, a marketing perspective, from a brand perspective, there are massive challenges that exist. And, you know, if you look over the past couple of weeks uh, in this country, you see, you see the results of, um, of, of some of what those challenges are. And so if you are the steward of a brand and I'll, I'll pick a brand that is, that is not a client of ours, um, you know, AT&T, um, you know, you, you have to day in, day out, uh, be constantly vigilant about the places in which, uh, your brand, uh, exists and comments and is present, um, the places that it is adjacent to, um, and the kinds of environments and things that are said and thought and posited around it. And that need for vigilance and that need for kind of uh, a laser-like focus on how important that is um, has only grown. And so the good thing about that is it's job security for Chris um, because, you know, it, it brings with it a lot of questions about how to deal with the challenges that the world presents. Um, but, you know, I, I do think the rawness of those challenges are very, very real. And I think everybody uh, in our collective industry, um, you know, ha has a real acute sense of that. So when it comes to this broad idea of sustainable media, now I want to get into the weeds a little bit. Robert, you mentioned that your journey to join Cara was a bit of, you know, helping them find themselves. But this sustainable media sounds like it's applicable to a much broader set of entities than just Cara or even the broader Dentsu network. So I'm curious, where did this idea come from? Was it part of that Cara needs to refine itself or was it a broader observation? Uh, it's certainly a, a broader observation. And I, I think the conversation has been had within the context of the industry for some time, right? So if you look like uh, an entity uh, like uh, uh, GARM or you look at some of the other uh, entities within uh, the trade groups um, and industry associations, whether it's the 4As or the ANA or uh, within our, our industry, um, this question of how to address things like privacy and truth and trust and misinformation, um, those kinds of things uh, have been at the heart of a very significant conversation for, for quite a while. We, we are not by any means, A, first to the discussion, uh, or B, you know, uh, do we have any kind of 
uh, monopoly on the market of the conversation. But I think what is important for us, and one of the things that in doing the brand work that we that we just did and sort of refining our both ourselves uh, and our sense of way of working and commitment uh, to that way of working is that we've drawn a, a line in the sand around the level of advocacy and commitment to uh, sort of end users, to regular people, to real people, uh, our clients, customers, as it were. And I think that commitment to advocacy uh, is something that is um, the space that all media agencies uh, really have to begin to spend a lot of time. Um, because our ability to defend the uh, rights and needs and protections uh, of our clients, customers, um, has become much, much more important. You know, uh, whether it's, I think Chris mentioned Cambridge Analytica earlier, or whether it's, you know, um, fighting to make sure that we are defending uh, those folks from things like uh, proximity to hate speech, misinformation, um, those things are, are, must be a big part of the, uh, ethical commitment framework in which media agencies work on behalf of their clients, customers alongside their clients, uh, and in partnership with, uh, the media companies and the big digital platforms. It's not new, but the level of importance and the level of focus that it takes, uh, I think has grown, uh, significantly. And I'd argue that it's the single most important thing that our collective industry has to face right now. Well, Chris, you seem to be the expert on this. Can you boil it down for us? I mean, what what is this? This is a, a big idea encompassing multiple entities all over the world. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to boil the ocean for me. Yeah, all all expert questions should go to Chris. All questions that could be answered by anyone off the street should go to me. Noted. That's, Noted. that's the working, working assumption, Adam. Great. Well, I, I appreciate the uh, belief in me, so I'll, I'll run with that. Uh, but I'll just say I really like what Robert said because uh, I think – uh, he hinted on an idea that I want to go into a little bit first, uh, but I, I, actually it's related to what, your question, Adam, is that this, what this requires is a synergy uh, and more than that, but I'm just going to use that word between agencies, publishers, techs, tech experts, uh, even governments and activist groups to really come together with their collective knowledge to try and solve a lot of these dilemmas and, and also not just their collective knowledge, but their different tools that, and levers that they can pull. Because this is such a uh, monumentous, uh, I'm going to say monumentous problem, uh, but also the solution is equally as as momentous, right? Because uh, what one of the things that we're trying to tackle is a reframing of how we're going to go about planning and, and uh, making decisions in a way that looks at the future as something that can empower people, right? If you empower consumers to have more control, I think it kind of goes a little bit counterintuitively to how we've done things traditionally. But if you uh, empower them to have more control, you actually increase the quality of the data, which will therefore increase the uh, what, the knowledge of what you can act on in that data. And so it's really a win-win-win-win situation where the ecosystem benefits, consumers benefit, uh, media agencies benefit, our clients benefit, publishers benefit. Uh, and in a, in a way that, um, you know, brings us all together, uh, that, that, yeah, in a way that brings us all so, together. So Chris, really hang important. on a second, because win, 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 win sounds awesome. But if that were the case, everybody would be doing it. So why, why isn't it happening already? I mean, what's, what's the barrier then to, to this utopia? Yeah. So I think that's an excellent question. I get that a lot. 
Uh, and, and first off, what I'll say is it's not like this is a switch we could turn on and off. This is a different way of thinking that that looks at the future like uh, we need to constantly reevaluate ourselves. We need to constantly be thinking about how we can you know, how we can add value to consumers in a way that doesn't treat them like the product that is not treating their attention like it's something to be extracted, but is something to be honored uh, and and treated that way. And so often, and but to answer your question more specifically, I think really the biggest barriers for me when I have conversations with people are mostly myths. Uh, a lot of times, people don't think we can act make act on this now. And what I'll say is that's not true. We ha- at Dentsu already have uh, a bunch of products in place, such as uh, Dimpact, which is a carbon calculator tool, uh, and Dentsu Prism, which is about addressing uh, diversity and inclusion. And, and we're only expanding on those. And those are by no means, or Dimpact's actually launching later on this year. Uh, but those are by no means, those are just the beginning. Uh, and by bringing together all these other partners out in the in the space, such as like Mozilla uh, and some newer partners like Goodloop, uh, there's actually a lot of opportunities that brands can already take advantage of. Uh, and I think that's part of why my role is is developing is because we need a centralized place to for brands to have this conversation and say, hey, I want to lean into this. And then we could say, hey, here's here's a set of solutions, right? Not to say, hey, you need to do it this one way, but let's meet you where you're ready to go. Uh, let's meet and understand your consumer and where your consumer is, uh, because not all consumers are at the same level, right? Some people are more okay. If someone, if you're going to pay me to, to sell my data, some people are more okay with that. Some people want complete privacy. So I think uh, the, the answer I'll say to that is we actually can start doing this today. Uh, we have already started doing it within Dentsu and the larger ecosystem is too. I don't want to downplay anything that any other group is doing. There's some really wonderful work being done. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that we're really happy about that other people and other companies, agencies too, are leaning into this uh, because we have a strong voice, but it's really about bringing this together and we, we can do this today. Just long story short. Robert, actually, I want you to weigh in a little bit here too. And I know I interrupted you for just a second, but you've talked about being the less than half full guy sometimes. I mean, I, I, I'm still sort of wondering like why this wasn't the system before. So, I mean, there, there's got to be some barrier to this somewhere. Is it just because like not doing it is sustainably costs less, you know, maybe profits are higher, uh, but I, I just be curious to hear your addition on what on Chris has there. Cause it's, it's interesting, but I, I, yeah, no, I, and I think Chris does a great job of sort of outlining the kinds of things that we're working to, to do and the kinds of product within our portfolio that we're bringing to bear on it. And, and all of that is, is exciting stuff. And, and again, as he mentioned, there's other exciting stuff happening across, uh, across the industry, but to get to sort of the question of, you know, well, why have, you know, why are we doing this now and not eight years ago, uh, it's hard, right? It's really hard. Um, it's hard from a data perspective. It's hard from um, a commercial impact perspective in some cases. It's hard uh, in in some places uh, to change uh, business models. Uh, it's hard to change, you know, in some instances on the digital platform side, the way, you know, some of those organizations run their governance. Um so, you know, you add those things up and you get a, a, a pretty tall order. I think the thing that's different now is we have an acute problem, right? It is an acute problem. Um, and it's a problem that goes far beyond just our industry. Uh, the impact of that, uh, of that problem, you know, is vast um, and societal in, in nature. 
I don't know what societable is, but I'll, I'll work on coming up with a definition for that. Uh, but it's societal in nature. And so, um, you know, this is one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I think we are going to see uh, material changes to the regulatory and compliance um, uh, situation uh, and context. You know, we've seen some of that happen over the past couple of years, but I think that's only going to accelerate. And some of those regulatory and compliance things are going to be or have the potential to be pretty seismic. Um, and so when you start adding that into the mix, um, there's a lot of different factors and a lot of different variables, I think, that present the collective industry with uh, a significant incentive to go in a different direction. Um, and not the least of that, uh, not the least important of those things, is that our clients uh, have a, a real need to stick by um, their uh, definition of what their brands stand for. You know, one of the things that's changed in marketing pretty significantly over the past five years is the degree to which brands have waded into topics that they otherwise would not have waded into before. Um, and they were driven by a sense of defining um, what their core principles are, what their belief systems are, and then working very hard to live by those principles and belief systems. And as that responsibility has grown for brands and the way that they act in the world, um, that has significant impacts as it relates to uh, how they advertise, how they participate with media and what that looks like. So uh, when you add all those things together, uh, market situations, regulatory compliance differences, and sort of this overall uh, you know, raising of the stakes from a, a brand belief system uh, for brands, um, that creates the moment now where Chris and his team and, and the rest of the folks across the agency um, have a real opportunity to, to make things different than maybe they did uh, four or five years ago. So Chris, help me put the rubber on the road here because I'm guessing that as a firm which is helping to lead the charge here, you know, even though it is hard, you are helping to make it easier. You've mentioned that this is also aligned with the way that some of your clients seek to market themselves and be out in the world. So whether it's based on things which you are doing and the brand teams you're working with, again, what is publicly available uh, for us to know, and maybe it has to do with things that Dentsu are doing broadly, but be curious to know how this is actually coming together, how it's coalescing for you. So it's really, the reason why I'm having a tough time answering that question right off the top of my head is it's happening in so many different ways, because one of the things that is is part of the big problem here, but it's part of why I, I love this uh, so much is that it's about combining s some things that at first seem to spare it into one idea. Uh, and so I'll just like bring up some of those like data privacy as a human right, uh, environmentalism, diversity and inclusion, trustworthy news and content, uh, and then responsible media metrics that promote healthy digital well-being. Uh, some at first glance, all those might seem like things that need to be tackled separately. But in reality, they need to be tackled uh, together because they all feed into one another, uh, right? Because you're not necessarily going to have the most diverse and inclusive ecosystem if you're not respecting a lot of privacy that people, it is very important to, to particularly marginalized groups, but, but, uh, but 
all groups out there really. Um, so in terms of the rubber meeting the road, I think within each one of these categories, uh, we're making a lot of progress. So for example, there's a group called Green the Bid, which I'll make a great shout out because they're doing wonderful work and from the environmental standpoint, that's trying to bring together a large um, ecosystem of media agencies and content producers and, and just overall people who have a, a a voice or a part to play in the media ecosystem to address environmentalism and share their know-how. Uh, so through our DIMPAC tool that is launching this year, uh, we will be helping to feed into that ecosystem. Now, Dentsu, I want to be clear, hasn't, hasn't, isn't a member of Green the Bid, but they're doing some wonderful work and we're working with them very directly uh, about how to feed into each other. Uh, and then there's also some more uh, on the ground things. Like we have done some stuff uh, and, I, and I won't go into exactly what it is, but we've done some stuff with, uh, with MasterCard uh, and, and some other clients of ours that have really started to push the envelope to a certain degree and explored some of the what we, we can do in this space. Um, and then one other thing, actually, I'll just, I'll just call out is this is something that, and this is the applied futurist aspect of, of my job, but that's something I kind of hint on to some people in a, in a joking way, but it, I think it's, it, it's true. Uh, is that the Ready Player One world, right? That that Ready Player One movie, that's not, it's far away, but it's not as far away as I think people think. And so that world and how we lean into it, uh, the spatial web ecosystem, I'm not going to go into that too much, um, it, what the decisions we make now matter. And so we are having those conversations with some people who are diving into that realm about, okay, advertising is going to need to be a healthy part of that. How do we do this? As, as you're building out this, this new world and these new um, technologies, how can advertising feed better into it so that we, at the onset, it's having a more, a healthier approach rather than an after the fact, which is oftentimes what we're doing now. So there's a lot of different conversations that are happening in different spaces, some with our clients, some in the ecosystem as a whole, and, and some internally that are uh, really pushing this needle forward. We are yet to see then perhaps some of the petals of this of this flower of sustainable media as as an idea, well not as an idea, but maybe as a as an all-in-one um, strategy continues to bloom. I'm glad that some folks have already come aboard to help pieces of it uh, flourish. I tip my hat to MasterCard, former employer of mine. Uh, let me round out then by asking both of you for a little bit of advice. I want to ask based on these things, based on the fact that you seem to be, you know, at, at least you speak very well about this area and a leader in it for your clients and, and hopefully for the world abroad. And also with the realization that many folks that listen to this show are perhaps even as small as one person organizations hoping to build up their own brands. And maybe, in fact, I'm pretty confident that there are many that are your clients who are listening to this right now. So I'll start with you, Robert. You came into Kara as a way to help it find itself again. And now, two and a half years later, are helping others through the sustainable media initiative create as authentic interactions as possible with their, uh, with their audience as they can. For those who maybe don't have all the inside knowledge on the different programs that Dentsu and Nikara is putting together, what advice would you give them to help them begin to carve out their own avenues to authenticity and their own brand's personal truth? What, what parting advice can you give us on that topic? Well, Adam, I want to thank you for giving me such a light question to end with. Um, <laughs> 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 we can trade it out. No, I, uh, I want to hear this. I want to hear it. <laughs> Look, I, here, here's here's a couple of things, and I think in a lot of cases, um, most significant brands, most large brands, have have 
done this work, at least intellectually, um, whether they've gotten it as tactically into the market or not, I think is, is maybe an open question. But the first question is, you know, what is your belief system as a brand and how does that relate to your audiences and your core customers? And that sounds like page one of every marketing book that you've ever read in the history of mankind. And yet it's critically important and it's never been more important than this moment. Because the likelihood that you are going to need to defend those values and defend those customers and defend those audiences um, in the world today is highly likely um, and gets more likely every day. And the expectation set that your audiences and your constituencies and that your customers have of you that you will defend those belief systems and demonstrate those belief systems um, has grown exponentially, uh, particularly over, uh, you know, populations uh, under 40. Um, and I think this is something I talk to clients about all the time. The, the under 40 customer expectation set as it relates to kind of walking the talk uh, and demonstrating your belief system uh, in a way that is wholly and completely ownably authentic, including when you make mistakes, um, is paramount. And, you know, we've seen this in the, uh, in our, um, brand EQ study that we did, uh, at, at the end of last year. Um, it just is paramount for, for those, uh, communities. It's important everywhere. It's, you know, it's older human beings like me. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's imperative in those under 40, uh, audiences. And so that's, that's job one. And then job two is that the vigilance of execution, um, is a constant 24 hour, never ending round the clock commitment. Um, so whether that is, uh, maintaining your, uh, active monitoring and vigilance uh, in times of uh, duress and stress over where your brand shows up and how it is adjacent to thoughts and ideas and images, whether that is the way you react to uh, situations that arise in a um, vocal way or a communications-driven way, you know, be that social justice movements, be that climate change, be that um, other topics that maybe, you know, a decade and a half ago, uh, brands might take a quiet route uh, toward, um, those rules have all changed. So uh, I, I would say those are kind of the two things that, you know, if you read them out on the first page of the marketing handbook, you'd say, ah, you know, these have been in here a while. These have been in here since the first edition. Um, but the reality is here in the 10th edition of the marketing handbook, they have never been more important and the downside risks of not doing them are severe. Um, so that would be sort of my, uh, my quick answer to your deeply thoughtful question. Appreciate the kudos on the question. Uh, Chris, uh, same, same idea. I would love to know a little bit of advice from you as you've been in the trenches on this. And perhaps also if you could help us by rounding out with the, with a few resources that maybe anybody could uh, look up to, to get started thinking about this if they haven't already. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'll say, I'll give, uh, I think Robert gave a little bit of the glass half empty idea. I'll give the glass half full uh, analysis. I here. love it. We're uh, on brand, uh, Chris. We're on brand. Yeah. Yeah. Def working well together. That's why, uh, you know, work at the same company, right? Um, so the glass half full idea is 
uh, and kind of to tackle each of the different uh, audiences that you talked about is uh, if, if you're, first off, if you're a brand of ours, uh, don't hesitate to have these conversations with us uh, because even if we f- don't have a solution, we'll have an honest conversation about where some of those solutions might stand uh, and, and what we can do to perhaps move into a better direction, right? We don't need to solve this problem overnight and it won't be solved overnight and it actually probably will never be solved. It'll be a constant um, a, a constant journey uh, and we're ready to take that with brands. Uh, and then if your brand that has an agency as a whole, you know, same idea, feel, you know, be comfortable having this conversation. And if the, if the agency is not comfortable having that conversation, push them on it, uh, push them to dive deeper into the space. Tell them that you want them to be doing this because in the end that will drive them to do this more. Uh, and, and the, and some, some solutions exist. So they, they're, they're out there and we're Dentsu's by no means the only one providing a lot of the solutions we're providing are actually leaning on some other partners. Uh, so, you know, have those conversations. Uh, and then if you're just a single person, right, if you're, you know, having your own small business and you're just having your own clients, uh, one thing is, uh, no, and same thing with Dentsu is we might be a, a bigger cog in the wheel and I'm using cog in the wheel usually as a bad connotation, but I used to mean it, in a good connotation in this sense. That's the uh, glass half a, full version of cog in the wheel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, um, we might be a larger cog in the wheel, but that doesn't mean that you don't need all of the other cogs and for people to be thinking about the world and how, what the positive impact they can make with their small decisions. And to and actually there's a group called uh, Humane Tech, which people might um, recall from the, the Netflix documentary, Social Dilemma. There are a lot of the folks that are, made that documentary. Um, and one thing that I think that they have a, uh, a perspective that I think is very healthy is to put yourself in the shoes of the consumer and make the the decisions you're making almost visceral, right? Make it feel like this this if this was happening to you, how would you feel about it? Uh, and at the end of the day, you could say, hey, you know what? I might it might not be perfect, but I'm leaning deeper into this and and trying to really create a more positive experience for people in a privacy safe way. Environment, you know, there's some of these things we all know about in society that are important. Um, do it. And, and lean into it and be there because your clients are just as important as any other client and your company is just as important. And the, we all need to work together. Um, and, and also don't hesitate to reach out to some of these activist groups. There's a group called Tactical Tech, which is uh, really pioneering a lot of uh, uh, the privacy space and, and they uh, and kind of leaning into that and then humane tech uh, and then there's also if you're in the advertising industry some of these groups like garm that, that robert mentioned and uh, and can which is a conscious ad network are already creating resources for people to look into uh for content resources and how to combat misinformation um so lean into that kind of stuff uh and uh so i hope that's enough resources but happy to provide some more but there's there's a lot out there and it's, it's a good conversation to be having no they are good resources and as many as possible i have a link in the show notes for our listeners well thank you both for helping me learn a little bit more about this topic as i said towards the top i really never heard about this concept these two words put together not that i hadn't heard about it but i just hadn't heard about it to the depth that you have obviously considered it and so uh Hopefully, we look forward to more manifestations of this from your clients um, later this uh, year, and uh, I'll be on the lookout for it, I know, at least personally, and I'll bring it up later if I see it. For now, though, I really appreciate the time from both of you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Adam. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Adam, thanks so much. It's been great. This idea, though hard to implement, is probably something that brands should do going forward, whether or not you're part of the Dentsu family or the Kara family. So I appreciate Chris and Robert, both of your perspectives. Of course, I'll have some of those resources mentioned in the show notes. 
Thanks to you as well, the listener, of course, for tuning in. If you want to learn more about what I do, uh, you can do that at AuthenticAvenueMedia.com. You can find all of our podcasts there. You can also join our community on LinkedIn, just Authentic Avenue. And you can send me an email, Adam at AuthenticAvenueMedia.com. If you're a brand looking to do some storytelling or create a podcast of your own, I can certainly teach you how or do it. So just reach out and I can help. This has been your host, Adam Connor, signing off now, saying until I get real again, with you. Thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.